This is the Confused Mother podcast and I am your host Gitanjali Mure. I started the Confused Mother because I struggled to find realistic information on parenting and pregnancy. It was difficult to find other mothers going through what I went through. With my work, I offer parents in Germany support in their journey. There is so much confusing information about services and support you can receive from your insurance and the state here, including Kindergeld and Elterngeld or child benefits and parental benefits. So I have created online video tutorials simplifying all of this for you. Get them on my website now, theconfusedmother.com. down syndrome autism family of color racism feminism we're covering a lot of different topics in today's episode all with just one wonderfully strong mother anna mendel hi anna how are you hi i'm fine thank you thank you for having me yeah you're most welcome anna where are you joining us from i'm joining from denkendorf which is a small town near stuttgart in baden württemberg okay yeah nice to have you on the podcast let's just jump into it you have three children uh, two of them have special needs could you tell us a little bit about their conditions yes um simon simon is eight years old he's autistic which basically means that he's easily overstimulated by many factors in life. Lucas is six years old. He's got Down syndrome, mm-hmm. which is a genetic uh, condition. And your third child? Yes, my, my third child has no diagnosis uh, up to this point in right. life, but we are seeing stuff which could be a symptom for a diagnosis. maybe it's ADHD maybe it's something else but right now she's two and a half mm-hmm. and she's not talking which is a, a big symptom for for many diagnoses mm-hmm. but uh, right now there's no need to have another diagnosis so we we wait yeah I think it's too early right like they say at around three four years old is when you can actually know whether there is anything definitively they they say it's between two and three well you should mm-hmm. really watch your children uh, how they get into language and if there's none at all mm-hmm. it's suspicious but if there is a little bit there and a little bit there okay. then it's called a late talker which means they're just developing lately uh, all okay. everything you need for the language so and especially as uh, as her uh, two brothers are the one is nonverbal the other one is uh, limited in communication mm-hmm. um which is part of autism this could be a reason for her late development of language right yeah because she's not exposed to older siblings who are talking much yes yes and mm-hmm. she's in a small group at the tagesmutter yeah. uh, which means there are only three other children which mm-hmm. is very nice it's a nice uh, little group of of children and they are um, all of them are at the same age and they get along mm-hmm. very well but they don't talk that much uh, as you would in a group of 20 children or 25 and when you have a bigger group you also have more of an age range so the smaller kids learn from yes, the older yes. kids and yeah okay yeah. um so for everyone who's listening in um i have already done one episode of the podcast on uh, the topic of autism it's episode 11 of my podcast with ofri pass so if you are keen to get information and resources for help in germany related to autism i invite you 
you to listen to that uh, episode as well. Anna, Down syndrome, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it is a condition in which children are born with one extra chromosome, right? And it, and it affects children very differently. Yes, that's so it. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Human beings have 46 chromosomes and people with Down syndrome have 47. The extra chromosome is on their 21st mm -hmm. uh, chromosome, which is then not a double one, but a three, th three of them. Right. And it affects different parts of the body, mm -hmm. uh, which means yeah. people with Down syndromes are smaller, smaller legs and smaller arms. They have smaller heads and they also have smaller tubes, which means they're could be a problem about swallowing, there could be a problem about breathing. Additionally, they have weaker muscles, which means every muscle, every movement you do mm -hmm. every day needs muscles. And if these muscles are weaker, okay, means your movements uh, need more strength. Right. So it's more difficult, like it's a more strenuous uh, uh, life for them. Yes. And uh, for example, mm -hmm. if you want to chew your food, you need like 30 muscles in your face, in your face. and in your tongue and in, uh, in your jaw. Mm -hmm. And if these muscles are weaker, you need more strength or you can't do it right. at all, which mm -hmm. is um, one reason for uh, people with Down syndromes sometimes or babies with Down syndrome sometimes need to be fed over um, like a feeding tube, like a feeding tube. Yes. Ah, um, yeah. uh, for example, I know uh, a kid which uh, was fed during this feeding tube for three years. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot mm -hmm. of therapy. Mm -hmm. 50% of babies with Down syndrome have heart diseases, okay. problems, and some of them have operated on right after birth, mm -hmm. which is hard for the children and hard uh, for the parents, of course. Yeah. But mainly, if that is successful, they they grow up very, very healthy. Of course. Most of them really grow up very healthy okay. and yeah. they don't have any problems later on. Mm -hmm. You also hear like online about a lot of different success stories, right, in the media about people yeah. who have Down syndrome have grown up to run their own businesses and um, do a lot of different things, get an education, um, do lots of really great sports yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so on. So that's great. And I, I was also quite surprised to read that it's not that uncommon, Down syndrome. Um, it's really not talked about, which is why I was keen to talk to you in the episode about Down syndrome as well. But apparently the UN says that one in a thousand live births are with, uh, with Down syndrome. No, it's not. It's uh, one of the most common disabilities babies are born with. Yeah. Part of the, the medical research makes it very uh, easy for us um, parents because it's uh, more developed. Mm -hmm. If there is a condition which is rare and yeah. mainly unknown, it's really hard uh, for uh, doctors to treat your child mm. in the right way because they don't know much about it. And so yeah. people often say to me, ah, you've got the premium disability uh, Okay, because there is so much they know about it right. and that there's so much they can do about it. Mm. And I know it's not okay to say this, but I also see who is saying this. What do you mean exactly? These are parents who are very frustrated and very desperate. If you're desperate, 
you 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 don't see other people and you you don't see what what problems other people have and i don't blame them mm -hmm. yeah, if you course. have a child you're kind of consumed in your own yes, um, yeah, struggles yes, yeah. and so on yes. yeah of course i understand that so anna how did you feel when you found out about these diagnoses of uh, down syndrome and uh, autism i was okay with it the diagnosis about mm -hmm. down syndrome came to me in the pregnancy it was 15 the 15th week of pregnancy okay. mm -hmm. did you do this test that they where they check for down syndrome right. yes yeah. yes the blood test i did a blood test and back then it was you had to pay for yourself yeah my husband and me we were at the appointment and they said it's really likely one two three that your uh, child has down syndrome then he said we can Uh, go up to 99% of uh, certainty. And then he said, you, you take the blood test and we have like 99% of certainty. There's no 100% during pregnancy, just uh, afterwards. I also took the test. Um, I remember that I took mm -hmm. the test yeah. and we had to pay for it as yeah. well. It was not covered by the insurance. No, it's now. Okay, now it's covered. Okay, great. Last year, summer, It's uh, it started mm, okay. to to uh, being paid. Uh, I did it twice, <laughs> to be exactly. I did it uh, for Lucas and I did it for Maya, which is our third child. Oh, yeah. uh, just mm -hmm. to be sure, just uh, to have right. the possibility of doing research and uh, having some time to prepare, especially mentally. You come to terms with it and accept it, and then figure out what to do and how to yes, cope with it. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. I understand. To maybe ha having another uh, disabled mm -hmm. child, right. so uh, I did it twice, and <laughs> I, I paid a lot for it. It was, I think, four hundred mm -hmm. euros. Yeah. And the first time it was four hundred ninety because it's now seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. The diagnosis uh, for autism was when Simon was four years old, and we really wanted mm -hmm. that one. We really, <laughs> we went there and said, mm -hmm. okay. Please give me that diagnosis because I'm pretty sure. I, I was so sure if they given had, hadn't given us the diagnosis, I really would have doubted myself because I see how my child acts and how I see how he he's struggling with so many different uh, social okay. factors and with himself and overstimulating. And that is one thing about diagnoses, which is really hard. If there is none, you have no answer. Mm -hmm. The diagnosis is an answer to everything you ask yourself, could this be? Or what is it about him or, or her or, or, or my child? Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yes. Yes. Yeah, because then you know how to deal with it, right? Like then you, once you know for sure, then you can do your yeah, research. Yeah, you yeah. can uh, figure out how best to support him, and and also for you to to manage your stress mm -hmm. levels in the process. I completely understand that. So you were kind of sure, and how did people react? Like how did the doctors react? I mean, when you asked for a diagnosis, because in the episode that I did with uh, with Ofri on autism, she said that um, in Germany they are often not so uh, keen to give a diagnosis. They're like, yeah, no way. Wait, wait for some time it's not really uh, necessary or sure mm. um, so they are not so keen to put a label on it did you have a similar experience yes yes definitely our child's doctor said no don't do that it's a stigma you, mm. you really put mm. some pressure on him and mm. I said no 
society puts that stigma on him and I yeah. want him to have the best life he can have. Therefore, we need help. Mm. And um, the doctor who gave us the diagnosis was very helpful. Mm. We had a two hours appointment. Usually you have like an appointment, then another appointment, then half a year mm. waiting time, then another appointment. And it right. can go on for two or three years. Mm -hmm. And she asked us after two hours, okay, what do you need from me? And I said, the diagnosis. Okay. And she yeah. and she said, yes, I give it to you. And she said, there might be another appointment mm -hmm. where you have to take some tests and uh, maybe you should do some, some questions. Uh, parents mostly answer some mm -hmm. questions about the behavior of the child. And she said, either way, mm -hmm. I see what you see and it's enough to give you this diagnosis. And that was so good. And I'm, I feel so sorry for every family who is waiting years and years right, for, for these words. Mm. And even then people doubt it. Right. Also because autism is so different. It, yes. it presents itself very, very differently. Right. I mean, there are people who have autism who also speak. Um, so there are yes, different yes. There's a spectrum, as we always say. And um, I've read so many stories of people who, didn't know for their entire lives that they were autistic and then they got the uh, diagnosis as adults and then for yeah, them yeah. it was like a light went on in their head they said yeah. now this explains so much yeah. and now they know how to deal with it because they really struggled and they had a difficult yeah. life so I understand what you mean when you say yeah you want to give him the best life because now there's there's a framework within which you can you can mm -hmm. work right yeah and yeah, then you yeah. have you have a child who is and autistic you have a child with down syndrome and your third one is still a very little toddler uh, what kind of relationship do they have with one another um it's difficult simon doesn't build relationships to his siblings people would say he's very much in his own world mm -hmm. i don't like that saying because it doesn't do justice to what he is going through. He can't have relationships in the way we know it. Oh. Mm -hmm. Friendships, relationships to us or to his siblings. Right. He's just there mm -hmm. and his siblings are next to him. I think that's the... But they don't play with each other or read together or anything. No, no. Mm -hmm. He's not playing with them. And sometimes he says, I like to be alone mm -hmm. and i said you can go to your room if you want to mm -hmm. and he said no i want to be here but i don't want them to be here ah. which is very hard for us and sometimes well. i think as he's the oldest maybe it would okay. have been better to only have him it would be easier for him because his <laughs> siblings are very loud okay. they are very mm -hmm. forward they're very physical and he hates right. people being okay. physical next to him or on him and lucas is <sighs> Mm -hmm. so, so much right. different from him that they can't build a, a relationship. Okay. Not not for now. Yeah. I don't know what happens later. Maybe when uh, Lucas learns some language or can can uh, communicate with him. Lucas and Maya are having a very very fun relationship. Oh, that's nice. Okay. They are really like mayhem and chaos. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Okay. They do. Stuff like fighting on the sofa mm. all the time, <laughs> and of course there's there's many bruises and many uh, and he hit me and uh, <laughs> she hit me and um, all non-verbal, both of them. A typical sibling relationship. <laughs> yeah, and this is this is how I expected right. uh, relationships between my children to be. 
So it's nice that they are having it, but it's all also very stressful, yeah. very chaotic, very yeah. loud. I'm really excited about what, how this will be in the future, how they will, mm. will develop their relationship in the future. Because Maya, yeah. if she is without diagnosis, neurotypical, mm -hmm. she will develop away from her brother. Yeah. When mm. she's not a toddler anymore, um, there will be no toddler like playing with Lucas. Right. And I don't know how he will take that. So if she's having friends outside and um, doing stuff he can't do because of his disability, this is something I, I sometimes worry about, mm -hmm. but I can't do anything about it. Yeah, I think we just have to wait and see, right? I know that this conversation comes up very often because you also mentioned whether you should have had just one child and so on, you know, so a lot of people have their first child and they think, oh, Uh, I feel like my child needs a sibling and so they plan a second child. But yeah, yeah. what you said, you know, there's no predictability. You have no idea what kind of relationship they will have, whether yeah. it will be a good one, whether they'll constantly be fighting with one another or they are completely different uh, personalities. So you can't really say, uh, yeah. So uh, you already mentioned that they fight uh, <laughs> and it can sometimes get stressful and so on. Um, but with all of these like varying needs and varying ages and so on, what is your daily life like? What is your daily reality? Oh, my daily reality is <laughs> so much <laughs> that people can't take it. When I tell about my life at home or with my children, uh -huh. they say, no, that's you're exaggerating. And I say, no, it's like Lucas is doing stuff like um, kicking items from the table, like all the time, destroying books all the time, mm -hmm. spilling liquids all the time, like in every wake second, okay. he's doing stuff like that. There are yeah. phases of, okay, he's calmer, But mm -hmm. if you do let him lose, <laughs> he's doing all that stuff all the time. And so I'm right. constantly picking stuff up. Cleaning up, I guess, also. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, everything like that. And then there's Maya, who is helping him. Ah. And I say, no, not, and I, I only have two hands to avoid this or avoid this. But in the end, there's, there's always something on the floor and it's, <laughs> Oh, floor is always dirty. This is only one part right. of my of my daily life. Mm. The other part is I have to accompany Simon through every phase of the day. He's mm -hmm. with diagnoses. We talk about spoons, which is a picture for the energy you have. You wake up, you have some energy, okay. which is the amount of, mm -hmm. for example. 12 spoons, which is a term coined by a blogger with diagnosis. And she said, you, you wake up with 12 spoons and everything you do mm -hmm. during the day needs spoons, needs energy. You need energy okay. for waking up, getting ready, uh, showering, preparing um, yeah. breakfast and all this. If you have no diagnosis, if you're neurotypical, you have much more energy. You don't have like a thousand mm -hmm. spoons for the yeah. day, which is also, it depends on how you slept, mm -hmm. how stressful work is, or how many children you have and all this. Yeah. But you have like more than only these 12 spoons, for example. Mm -hmm. Especially autistic persons have a, a very little amount of spoons. Everything they do 
takes more spoons than it would for ah, yeah. mm. neurotypical persons. So like waking up, uh, getting ready, showering, having breakfast is like it takes one spoon or a half spoon for a neurotypical person, mm -hmm. for an autistic person, or also for a person with ADHD, this could take five spoons because there's uh, a lot to think about. What do I wear today? What do I eat today? What do I have to do first? What do I have to do second? All of this energy goes into this daily task, mm -hmm. which is not, for, for many people, this is no task. Mm -hmm. You do it kind of automatically. You get up, you drink a coffee, brush your teeth, yes, get dressed, yes. and so on. And for them, it's all a lot of yes, work. Yes, yes, and so and so. It's my my duty as a parent. I see it as a duty mm -hmm. to give him the best start into the day. Yeah, I say I do this for you. I help you putting on your clothes. I help him putting on his socks if it if I need to, so mm -hmm. that he can save that spoon for school later. Right, because he's in school until five in the in the evening right yeah and he needs all the spoons he can he can get mm -hmm. in the end uh, when he gets home he's so out of energy I get it, yeah. that i have to separate him from his siblings i allow him to have uh, media he's he's uh, playing some video games mm -hmm. he, he gets some food sometimes he needs sugar sometimes he just needs something fresh maybe an apple or something. This is the way he regains enough energy to, to end the day. So there's only right. having dinner, then going to bed. But all these tasks, like in the morning, all these tasks in the evening are even more difficult because he's run out of energy. There's no energy left for all this. And then I ask, please do this, then brush your teeth, then go to bed. And sometimes he just stands there, looks at me and says, I don't know. If he says, I don't know, I know there's nothing left mm. for him to give and I have to guide him. Yeah. This is something mm -hmm. which is part of my daily life, guiding him through the day, giving him everything he needs so that he can okay. use his energy for something else, which is more important. Yeah, but Anna, this, this already sounds like so much energy that you need to invest in one child. Yeah. Um, you also have a partner. How do you divide uh, tasks or what kind of support system have you got and uh, how do you divide tasks between your your partner and you my husband is out of the house for four days for 12 hours a day and so i do mainly everything during the day so he leaves right after okay. breakfast and he comes back mm. right before dinner everything which happens during the day is uh yeah okay. it's my responsibility and but we plan everything like appointments in school with doctors and therapy mm -hmm. according to this uh, schedule during the week he's off on friday we decided for that kind mm -hmm. of uh, schedule for him okay. so he can do all the appointments we can have on Friday. But sometimes... Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, sometimes they say, no, we don't do Friday appointments. And then I say, mm -hmm. okay, then I take <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> and no. then, so I have to do it, okay. Uh, but um, he mostly does housework, grocery shopping, appointments and then we have um mm -hmm. a really like a fairy in our family she's uh, her name is antje she has been and is the target mother 
of all three children. Yeah. We know her now mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. seven or eight years. When uh, Simon first went to her um, group, and uh, she's now also our third mm -hmm. grown-up in the family. She helps okay. us on the on the weekends. She she's going with us on holidays for three years okay. now. She's been mm -hmm. on every holiday with us, and she she plans. Uh, everything around us she's do she's still doing that mm -hmm. tagesmutter thing but she says okay um next year in june uh, do you want to do okay. holidays before <laughs> yeah. or after oh, wow okay that certain date and i say it's now june this year and you want to plan and she said yes yes i want to plan my holiday with my husband oh, okay. around <laughs> your holiday as a family that's so nice though that you have this kind of support yeah yeah and, uh, also a very german thing i feel <laughs> it's a very german attitude of saying that oh yeah it's june um what are you doing next year in august yeah i don't know i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> to do in august <laughs> i wouldn't know if she would <laughs> she asked and uh but it helps a lot to to have structure yes for the year mm -hmm. because um we we don't pay her uh, from our private money mm -hmm. we use a budget we get with the pflegegrad which means you get a status for your disabled children or also for grown-ups who need mm -hmm. help who need medical attention and all this and with the status uh, comes some money it's uh, from the insurance right. and they mm -hmm. pay 2000 a year only for something like auntie we we can have like a babysitter or we can have somebody mm -hmm. who goes with the children to the pool or to therapy or uh, for holidays mm -hmm. and it's not that much money though if you think about it no it's not it's for not. the whole year is yeah. um, it's just barely anything but i mean okay it's better than nothing yeah but, but we have two of them enough. because we have two children right so we can use them but we also have to calculate so if we have a holiday like last week where she went for six nights with us to a hotel we know okay this month and ne next month mm -hmm. there's not so many saturdays she's coming because we have to spare some for the rest of the year mm, okay the the problem is for many families just to find somebody like Antje. Right. Because there are not so many people who love to play with your disabled children. That is... Right, yeah. Who also have the, the, the expertise yeah, for, yeah. for dealing with it as well. Is there, if there's any medical attention, if you have to, if you have a child which needs a, mm -hmm. a breathing aid or something, you, you really should have some expertise. With us, it's okay yeah. because she knows them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, there's no medical yeah. medical issue about our children it's okay to them for them to, to walk through the woods or go to the playground and all this and mm -hmm. but for for some families yeah. it's it's uh, hard to trust people with their children because yeah. there are so many issues i mean how, where do you start right like i mean where do you start explaining to the other person how the child is what they need uh, how to how to talk yeah, to them yeah. and uh, and so on. So that I guess yeah, also yeah. is another uh, thing that costs a lot of time and energy for, for you as a parent. Yeah, yeah. Anna, but speaking of energy, <laughs> 
I'm always amazed at, so you are a very vocal voice. You have been featured in media, you've been on different podcasts, and you also have a very active following on Instagram. I see a lot of posts how where you explain, you know, your daily struggles, your daily life, and, and it clearly resonates with a lot of people um, because you have a large following there. But you've also written a book yes. and you're going around with that at the moment. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about the book? I'd also really like to hear about your experience. Yes with Instagram, like writing posts and um, and what kind of feedback you get from people? It's a lifelong dream of mine to write a book. It's been re really like I was 13. <laughs> I wanted to write a book, mainly in the last years when we had all those diagnoses and some really hard years. Mm -hmm. I had the urge to get that off my chest. I really wanted to write it all down. Right. There are 29 chapters in the book, but they're also the could be 40 because I didn't tell everything okay. I wanted to tell, but I said, okay, it's 250 pages. Mm -hmm. I think now that's enough. <laughs> and then, <laughs> At some point you have yeah, to yeah, somewhere. And, and uh, they. Uh, so, but these are your stories, right? It's your life, your experiences. Yes, yes. It's all about only my life. It's Very unfiltered. Like a, it's not an information yeah, yeah. book. I, mm -hmm. I tell stories about the diagnosis, about the pregnancies, about <laughs> in sickness and in health, everything. Mm -hmm. For many people, it's hard to read my book because it's a very compensated pain on very uh, a very little room they they say i read three chapters and then i had to take a break because it's so hard mm, yeah. reading about your life and when i was in the yeah. end of the writing process i couldn't read it either i can imagine yeah there is one chapter about my depression i i can't read mm -hmm. because i always cry mm. when i'm reading at some some events from my book i always choose those i really feel safe okay it's not happening right now that i'm reading the one about depression because i'm mm -hmm. not out of all the feelings i wrote about because there's faces in my life which feel very depressing and so this is this is really hard for me i'm really cl glad i did mm -hmm. it and uh, write all about all those hard times and i realized when i finished it i was kind of out of words i had a phase to four or five months where yeah. i didn't write anything in social media right nothing too serious just like daily life stuff and showing my dinner and something. I really took some time to mm -hmm. replace all the words I used in the book. I can't imagine what that is like. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we all have these phases during the day or in our, in our lives where we're just like, okay, I've talked so much, I can't talk anymore. So I, I imagine that it's a kind of a similar uh, experience where you're like, I've used up all my words. I have none anymore. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> just <Yeah>. silence. <laughs> Nothing there. Yes. And uh, for Instagram, it's dangerous not to talk about uh, stuff. If you don't have to say something on Instagram, there's nothing left and uh, you lose followers. I don't care about followers. I was about to ask, I'm like, is that even important to you? <laughs> it's not important to me, yeah. but it's important because I want to reach as many people with my topics to bring uh, wisdom to them, mm -hmm. yeah. to show them uh, realities they don't even have a clue yeah. about. They are existing. So um, I tell about my children. I tell about, mm. I don't tell about my children. I tell about how we live together, mm -hmm. how I am with my children. I, I tell them mm -hmm. how 
I react to their being. But that's so important, I think, that, you know, to, to show that you can have a normal life and at the same time, it's a challenging, difficult time uh, and to also maybe help people who are going through something similar and show them how to, yes. um, how you do it so that they can maybe try it out for themselves as well. Yeah. The feedback I get is really, really good. Mm -hmm. People really love seeing my struggle uh, because they don't feel alone anymore. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. Especially parents with disabled children, but also mm -hmm. women of color, which is very interesting because some of them mm -hmm. can't connect to other people of Instagram yeah. because they don't show their daily life, mm -hmm. but uh, are very political, which is very important. Many of them say, I don't want to be political. I just want to have mm -hmm. a little reflection and I want to see who I really am. And what you're telling about yourself, Anna, is mm. important because yeah. I see how I could be if I yeah. have the right mindset. Is I hate this word. If you change your perspective, I, I, mm -hmm. I'd like to say change your perspective helps you see yourself or see who you are and form your identity, yeah. which I did in the last, let's say, 10 years when I started having feminist thoughts, mm -hmm. when I started working on racism, which I do for work. And it helps a lot, that it, but it's also a lot of work. Yeah. People often write me a DM and they say, oh, I hate that you bring this up because I don't want to think about racism okay. or about uh, families uh -huh. who have disabled children because I'm not connected to it. But now that you tell about it, I have to think about it and I love it. You're forcing people to confront these topics. I love that. Yes. Yeah, that's so good. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah they, it's, it's really a conflict for them because they'd love to be in their really stable, wide, non-disabled yeah. uh, bubble. But then I burst this bubble. Yeah, it's in your <laughs> face, all of these topics all yes, at once. Yeah. All of this reality, yeah. they, sometimes they can yeah. take it. What I mentioned in the beginning also, you know, talking about feminism, racism, um, and, and so on. And since you also mentioned it, Anna, you are a woman of color. Mm -hmm. um, you are a colorful family. <laughs> Let's call it that. I have a very specific question. I mean, how has this affected your life? Like being a woman of color, you are German. Uh, you're adopted. Yes, yes. I'm adopted. Did this have any impact, yes. you being a family of color, have any impact on your access to medical care, access to services, the way you are treated? Because a lot of women talk about how doctors don't take their problems mm -hmm. seriously. Um, they ignore them. And women of color, people of color have even more challenges with this, that they get dismissed Uh, and so on. And so I'm wondering, what is your reality when it comes to um, making use of all of these services? As I'm adopted from Indonesia and my parents are white, I've been raised in a very white situation. My husband is white and so my kids are almost white passing. <laughs> my husband always said, no, they're so much like you. They, they, <laughs> they look like you. They're not white passing. And I say, but outside of our family, they are kind of white passing. So okay. if they are in an appointment, in a medical appointment, mm -hmm. they are treated kind of okay when I'm around for that appointment and it's a new doctor, for example. It's always difficult mm -hmm. because one okay. of the first questions is when your child has a disability is, does it appear 
in your family of origin. And then I have to say, mm -hmm. I don't know, I'm adopted. Right. And so first they want to bring the guilt to you as a mother, and then they bring the guilt to you because you don't know about it. Mm. And this is for me... As if it were your fault. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard every time we get into a new situation about the diagnosis. It doesn't take up much time, but it reminds me every time that I'm not part of this society, not like my husband. If it's only my husband, it's totally different. Yet I think we are lucky because I'm lighter skin mm. and I speak fluently German and Schwäbisch. Right. People don't take me as a woman of color as they would take others. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But do you think that this kind of approach and, and so on is because you're a woman of color or is it because you're adopted and you don't know your family history? Or is it a combination of It's both? a combination, I think. Mm -hmm. There's okay. uh, most of the people in school or in kindergarten or also at the doctors, if they don't ask for it, I don't tell everybody, mm -hmm. oh, I'm adopted. It's just, mm -hmm. I'm here and... Uh, take take it so it's not always an issue it's mm -hmm. it's an issue if it's about genetic and um, autism for example is also a genetic genetic issue mm -hmm. which is very interesting because i think and he also thinks that my husband is also autistic maybe even persons out of his uh, family of origin okay. we, we don't know yet mm. as the disabilities come with genetic issues it's very interesting and would love right. to see if there is something about me which brings about this genetic stuff mm. on the table but we don't know but it's okay for me to yeah. not know i think i have to have another uh, episode with you anna to just talk about your experience <laughs> with adoption because uh, i've already done one episode on adoption uh, i think I think it's number eight or nine of my podcast, uh, but it's the perspective of the mother who adopted uh, a child mm -hmm. and uh, she has Indian roots and she adopted from India. Okay. This was the second child. The first child was a biological one. And uh, so I got her perspective and kind of the stigma around adoption, but uh, you would maybe be able to give me the perspective of an adopted child and also what you said you know growing up in a very yeah. white setting in uh, in rural germany so to speak mm -hmm. that would be really fascinating so i just want to talk a little bit about the the help that people can get in germany because you said that you know you have different therapies and uh, different schools and so on so if there are parents with children or with a child who has special needs what kind of help can they get Unfortunately, in Germany, you can get help, but as parents, you don't know how. There's no like a flyer or a website which says, exactly. okay, your child has this diagnosis or this yeah. uh, disease or whatever, and you get help there and there and there, and then you have to do this. There's nothing like mm. that. It's all about connecting to other parents. If you have a child with a certain diagnosis, try to find people mm -hmm online or in your hometown who you can talk to there are a lot of facebook groups nowadays yes, yes facebook groups the autism one there's one um special special families in berlin or something like that mm -hmm. at least for the ones here yeah. i think it uh, it's a combination of both mm -hmm. which brings you uh, the most uh, effect because you have the connection to people online who maybe have the same experiences or, or they think alike, but then you have people in your hometown who can say, okay, that's the best doctor for this part and that's the best therapy and there 
it, mm. the waiting list is only eight months and not oh 12 God, okay. yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So I have both. I have people on the internet everywhere, yeah. like even on everywhere in the world. And I have some uh, WhatsApp groups uh-huh. uh, from people only two kilometers away. Okay. And they say, okay, right now on, on this waiting list, you could get an appointment like in six weeks. And then people are ringing, yeah. okay, okay, uh, I, write, uh, I write an email and I, I, uh, I'm talking yeah. to them. And sometimes mm-hmm. uh, they meet with the children so they can, can have a real life chat, which is also very uh, empowering. Of course, yeah. Being in one room. Maybe it's something you can do is making a making an info brochure for people uh, who, who need help. But, but uh, seriously, do you offer parents kind of information when uh, when they feel like their child might have yeah. a diagnosis when, when they ask me i i get them everything i have i mm-hmm. i, I yeah. send them links i i say okay we've been with this uh, doctor and with this doctor but don't go there he's not that mm. um, okay uh, just go there <laughs> something like that yeah. um <laughs> Yeah. People ask me very often on Instagram when I talk about a, yeah. a certain topic. They ask, "Ah, can I ask you mm-hmm. something?" And sometimes they have to say, "No, I'm sorry, today I'm, I run out of spoons. Ask me tomorrow or right. next week." And then they come back, mm-hmm. and that's okay for me. Mm-hmm. And um, right, of course. then I can help them, and or sometimes not. Yeah, which is also okay for mm-hmm. everybody because it's uh, not my duty to help everybody, which I had to learn. Of course, and you also only have only limited yeah, information, yeah. right? So you're also not really yes, an expert yes. in that sense. But great, it's it's very nice, uh, the work that you do, the support that you offer, and also the fact that you are so open and public about your experience with your book, with your Instagram, and yeah. so on. Um, and I, I always ask my guests, what one piece of advice do you have for all the confused mothers out there? Be kind, be gentle with yourself and with mm-hmm. others. There's the saying, you don't know anything about the hard time people are having, mm-hmm. which you don't see. I think that's that's really, really true, especially for all those who are not part of the, yeah. the norm. So like you and me, all the mothers who are single mothers, the mothers who are raising disabled children, the mothers yeah. of color. I feel that's a good rule for life in general. Is yeah, in general, yeah, happen, yeah. You know, it applies to everything. To yourself, be kind to your children and yes. everyone around you. I think that's a great message yes, for, yes. for people in general. And it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. And as I said Thank earlier, you. I feel like we have to do another episode uh, <laughs> together. Uh, I hope to have you back here. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Subscribe to my podcast and do consider leaving me a rating. Find more information on my tutorials and workshops on theconfusedmother.com.